You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. I'm Georgia Hart, Principal Consultant at Middleton Executive and your guest host. I'm passionate about all things product and tech and can't wait to explore some amazing topics with Australia's top product leaders. Joining me today is Ben Wirtz, a product leader with over 10 years of experience. Ben has founded a few companies on his own and has worked with over 50 organizations, including big names like Atlassian and Google. His experience includes everything from mobile to web, fintech to health tech and SaaS to marketplaces. He also runs Product Tank Sydney, which has over 3,000 members. Today, we're discussing building a product team in a startup or scale-up, and we have so much to cover, so let's dive straight in. Ben, can you take a moment to introduce yourself to us? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Great to be here. So on top of what you already mentioned, um, I think that what's worth mentioning in the context of today is I sort of dedicated the last five, six years to help companies in Australia build better products and, um, yeah, work with a lot of early stage startups and scale up uh, founders directly. Um, and so in the process, working with and gathering data points um, of, of companies of, you know, two to 200,000 people, um, I've seen dozens of different setups, work designs, processes, et cetera, um, and, um, uh, and sort of started recognizing the patterns between the companies that keep moving, moving well and are successful and the ones that are struggling and sort of hit the wall at some stage. Uh, so it means as in lots of best and lots of worst practices. Um, and having been a fan of for myself, um, I, I know the sort of thought process and also the emotional journey that founders go through. So it gives me a little bit of an understanding of how to how to work with them um, and and hopefully uh, an ability to set them up for success um, or sort of you know, to unlock the next stage of growth. So yeah, happy to share a little bit on, on um, what I've seen and um, how I help companies. Looking forward to it. And one of the reasons I know people love working in startups and in product management is the dynamic nature of the job. You're never restricted to working on one thing and often expected to handle lots of responsibility outside of your job description. Um, As the companies progress and grow, there comes a time when a founder needs to define dedicated roles. So hiring your first product manager or product leader can be really daunting as it is one of the most elusive roles to fill. So in your opinion, Ben, when is the right time for a startup or a scale-up to hire a product manager? Yeah, um, like everything in product, the answer is it depends. Um, and primarily it depends on the founder, right? The um, and what I always always say is the product role is the first role that exists in any company, right? And the founder is filling it. But it's usually one of the last roles that actually someone gets assigned as a title. Um, and so, so the question is really when to make that change. When should the founder hand over the product management, right? And sometimes it happens implicitly when the founder hires a CTO and somehow the CTO just ends up doing it. And then 
the CTO needs to have it over at some stage. So um, and the, the big question to ask there is, when is the role getting too much um, for the quality of something so important as product to drop that it needs someone who's dedicated to it? Um, and, and the other thing to keep in mind is product is a multiplier role, right? It doesn't really do the design. It doesn't do the coding. It doesn't do the marketing. Um, sometimes it does QA and customer success, but you know, that, that we get to that, um, whether that should be the case or not. So um, there needs to be a team that that gets multiplied. Um, and, um, and so then the question is, what is the founder or the person who does that at the moment? What do they want to keep hold of? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Um, and the founder role in particular can be really overwhelming because you're a bit of a player coach, right? And in some way, you need to lead the organization, create clarity and positive energy and empower people. And on the other side, you're, you're still doing a lot yourself. And so I found typically um, that founders would first should first hand over the operational pieces when it gets too much. Um, and um, uh, so the administration of the backlog, et cetera. Um, and, and typically that tends to happen at a time when a founder really needs to shift focus to something else. So maybe fundraising um, or to double down on sales because product market fit looks good, et cetera. So, um, uh, and if they, if they keep doing the product role, then at some stage it means the leadership is suffering, right? And if you have poor leadership at the top, even the best product person can't really do anything about it. And uh, so, so it's important to get the foundations right before you then delegate to it, uh, delegate, delegate things to others. Um, and I think that that then gets into the next next question. Maybe the founder wants to be the product person, right? And if that's the case, um, maybe the right decision is not to hire a product person by the time you're 10 people, but for one founder to really focus on it and to go deep, to learn. Um, and maybe the company only needs a, a product person by the time they're 30 or 50 people, uh, someone who's complimenting the founder and um, sort of, you know, a second product person rather than, uh, just a, a subordinate um, as you divvy up the products and the portfolio. Um, and so it, um, uh, it then, the, the other rule of thumb we could take into consideration is what, what is really a, a scalable work design and what the big companies like Amazon, Google, and Atlassian and, and others found is often a, a ratio of sort of 1 PM to seven other people in a team is, um, is a good ratio. So that might mean one designer, one QA, let's say five engineers. Uh, Amazon defined that as sort of the pizza rule. No team should be bigger than you know, the size you can feed with two large pizzas. I think that's US-based pizzas. Um, uh, large pizzas, not, uh, not dominoes. Um, and um, and then chances are the founders still still want to keep hold of the vision and the strategy for a while. And so, uh, again, what they really want to hand over is more the operational pieces, which doesn't always mean you need a product person. For some companies, that might mean actually you have a, uh, you know, Canva, I think they didn't have product managers until they were 200 or 300 people. They just had product coordinators who sort of administrated the backlog and did a bit of project management on the side while the, the strategy and vision and general direction um, was uh, was still with Mel as a founder for a long time. So yeah, uh, bottom line is it really depends on the founder, their strengths and weaknesses, uh, where they want to go in terms of their leadership um, and, um, and and where they, like what role they want to keep hold of. But it doesn't work without the founder going on a, on a growth journey themselves. So you sort of answered my question there and how you would start defining or scoping out the role, but is there anything else that a founder or a business leader can do to make sure that they are defining the role to look for the best fit? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I think by the time you know that, okay, you need, need to somehow split yourself and, and the solution is probably a product person. Uh, first of all, define what success looks like, right? And and do that, do that person a favor and empower them by having really good clarity on what they should be working towards. Because uh, product is a never-ending list of tasks, right? You can work on the processes, you can work on the strategy, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper on the data, you can think more and more about the design, more and more about the architecture. Uh, it, it never stops. And so even for then the product person you want to hire, um, I follow the philosophy of hiring for strengths as opposed to lack of weaknesses, right? And, and that's that's hard in product because everyone seems to have this really long wish list for what they want a product person to do. But often it just focuses on, well, we want you to do the roadmap and we want you to talk to customers. And none of that is rocket science. All of that can you know, can be easily learned um, or, or taught. And so um, the chances are in the organization, there are some blind spots that exist. The founders have some blind spots. And so the idea is with hiring for strengths, you just define the top three strengths that you don't have right now in the team that you really want someone to to uh, complement and so with founders often they're visionary and big pictures so you know it might be someone who's really detail oriented right and so that's where sort of the, the product owner skills skill set um, comes in really handy sometimes um sometimes you know I, I see jds looking for industry expertise and and all that stuff but if you've got a team a founding team that knows an industry already well any product person should be a fast learner and, and problem solver and so those are skills that i would look for and not necessarily the the uh, industry experience um and um and yeah look chances are with a good product owner they can keep up the the shipping cadence and they can free up the founders for everything else so um, i'd probably look for someone who's happy to to be a little bit autonomous um but um uh, but that also means the founder needs to be prepared for giving up that autonomy. And so that outcome focus and defining success um, sort of um, fits into the picture there um, for, for two reasons, right? Uh, you, can, you can hold each other accountable for what the outcomes are and not for how you want each other to work as a product person and as a founder. Um, and, um, and you can more clearly define the scope of the role and, and it helps the product people prioritize things. There is a, um, a great blog post by Marty Kagan uh, called Two in a Box PM. And it sort of illustrates the, the challenge that I think almost every product person experiences at some stage. You have your core product responsibilities, but then somehow people plow other things onto you, whether it's QA, whether it's customer success, whether it's doing a little bit of marketing and thinking about that. And so the product role is already you know, a stretch. And so then at some stage it becomes unreasonable. And if you if you don't have a definition of success, then it just becomes easy to say, oh, well, actually this thing that I don't want to do or that I can't, don't have time for right now, the product person should do that as well. And um, it just leads to burnout and, um, and burn and churn, et cetera. And um, I, I don't like seeing that. So yeah, um, I think define the outcome, uh, give people autonomy. Love that. And one of the things you touched on as well that I think is really important is the skill gaps. And that's something that at Middleton Executive, we really pressure test when, we're getting a new brief or we're working with a new client, you know, why are you hiring this person? What's the need? And um, yeah, it's interesting how the role can change once we've asked those sorts of questions. Um, how would you decide between hiring a product leader versus hiring a product manager? Because it can be a very different set of skills. Yeah, indeed. Um, so I think, um, and I've, I've seen 
often sort of the first product leader not work out, or even the first product manager not work out because the expectations will ultimately so misalign. Um, and so again, first things first, define what outcomes you actually want. Do you want that person to lead a team or do you want that person to just take care of the product and the leadership responsibility is still with the founders? Um, and, and often startups advertise for head of product because you know it's a nice title and they really want someone to you know step up maybe in a year time a year's time and they want that they want seniority and they want to give the title away for that as sort of almost a marketing tool that's not always helpful because it sets the wrong expectations and um chance that you get someone applying who has been a head of product before or certainly uh, a very solid senior product manager and their expectation will be to challenge some of the strategic assumptions um, and to have some sort of ownership over the roadmap and over the plans and over the ways of working of the team and maybe the company overall. And, and if the founders aren't willing to have anyone, you know, um, sort of challenge them on that front, it's the wrong decision to hire a senior product person. So um, actually, I see that desire a lot in, in startups, but actually the, the right decision for them is often to hire a somewhat experienced um, product owner um, who doesn't have that, who might have that ambition in the long term, but who is very comfortable and you know, ultimately um, very, yeah, very capable um, of just handing the day-to-day, -day, becoming before sort of um, looking into the strategy. So it, it depends on what the founders are, are willing to give up and what they need right now. I think uh, a mistake that certainly I have made as a founder, and I see a lot of other people making as well this week, we think what sort of person would be awesome in the long term and maybe what person would be awesome to have on our deck when we want to raise our next round of funding. And so there's there's almost a, an incentive to hire a little bit more senior. But um, if you're if you're hiring for you know what would be great in six to 12 months, but actually there's a misalignment with what you need right now, um, then it's going to lead to issues. And actually it means you're probably moving faster. You, uh, sorry, you're moving slower. You have more friction. The hire might not work out. You have to do this journey again. So um, yeah, it's um, it, it requires the fans to really go go deep and, and think about and, and yeah, be be really brutally honest with themselves and what they really need for the next six months. And then, you know, anything that's a success after that is, is good. Yeah, love that. It's and, you know, the startup landscape moves so quickly. Things change. So it's hard to sometimes plan for 12 months <laughs> ahead. Um, yeah, I love that. Deal with what the problems are in the now. And what are some of the soft skills that, uh, you know, founders should look for to hire the right product manager that will suit that startup or scale-up environment? Is there different skill sets for early-stage startup compared to, a, you know, a, a startup that's found its market fit and now going through that growth? Mm. Uh, well, I'm really glad, first of all, that you, that you mentioned soft skills because a lot of the JDs focus on product managers. They just mentioned all the hard skills. And um, I wrote a blog post about that a while ago called Moneyball for Hiring Product Managers where I talk about, hey, actually... None of the like industry and technical experience and all that should matter um, because um, it, none of what we do as product managers is rocket science. Everything can be taught and skilled and 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 and, and learned very quickly. So uh, yeah, so I look a lot more for habits and traits um, and and it's actually almost hard to put that in a JD um, because everyone will claim they have all of that. So it's it's easier to then look at the CVs and. Um, of how someone conducts themselves through the interview process. Um, so the, the big traits that any product person should have, in my view, are empathy, analytical skills, and communication skills, good communication skills. Uh, empathy is important because you want, 
you want the product to be customer focused, right? So they need to have empathy for the customer um, and, and really understand their issues and their why um, and, and how the current landscape of solutions available to them um, is, is just making their life harder. Um, and, uh, but then you also need, you know, you, you're in the middle of engineering design and, you know, all the commercial functions, you need to have empathy for the team, um, especially the engineers, right? And understand um, why are they moving slow, right? When there's a, uh, uh, when it happens, um, uh, why do those issues exist? So you need to have the empathy for the team first to then go into the next step, which is the analytical stuff, you know, when it comes to customers and when it comes to the team uh, itself. Um, what are the problems? Breaking them down, finding the root causes um, and, and finding the fastest path from, you know, where you are right now to where you want to get to. Um, so there's a saying that product managers, um, they, uh, they decrease time to goal um, and so a good a good product person will have really strong analytical and problem-solving skills to just boil it down, take all the superfluous stuff out of the equation and say, well, actually, this is what we need to solve and this is priority number one. Um, everything else you know, comes after that. Um, and communication skills, of course, right? The, the vision, the priorities um, and, and the challenges. Um, we need to translate all of that between the commercial and the technical functions. And so um, that, uh, that doesn't happen if, if we're not good communicators. So, so those are the, the base skills. Um, now, for startups in particular um, and scale-ups, I would really look at a bias for action as well um, and, and someone who wants to move fast and it's almost almost as impatient as a founder can be right so you have the same feeling of urgency i've seen a lot of founders get frustrated when they hire someone you know senior pm from atlassian um, and um, you know very experienced has worked there for years but somehow they don't see that I'm not saying no atlassian pm has it but maybe with that particular person they don't see that urgency and the bias to action and like wanting to solve things now because they might have worked in a team where actually it was much more appreciative to think things through in detail, documented really well, um, and so yeah, it's it, it can be a little bit of a can be a little bit of a misfit. Um, and um, I've seen just companies with so different ways of working. Um, like I always think of freelancer and Atlassian, for example, being on very opposite ends of the spectrum of, of sort of uh, yeah ways of working for product. Um, and, and there's not many people who are like a great fit for for both of them. Um, I, was, I was lucky to see a friend of mine move from one to the other, um, and with with a couple of steps in between. Um, but it's uh, it, it was a journey to sort of adapt from one to the other. Um, and so the the last thing I would say is um, I often see in hiring processes the, the use of like case studies um, where. Uh, you know, we think product people are a little bit like consultants. And so we need to give them this big case study and you know, give them a week to complete it and expect that they spend 20 hours on it. Um, and, and it's just not aligned with how a product person should work. Um, I think, you know, if we think of empathy and communication, a product manager doesn't work in isolation. They actually work well with other people. So personally, I see no correlation between someone who, you know, does well at, spending 20 hours by themselves on a case study to figure it all out, someone who actually succeeds in, a, in the product team uh, that I've got at hand that I'm hiring for because they need to work with the people. They don't need to work 20 hours in isolation and then tell everyone what the solution is. Chances are that actually makes them much less effective. So, yeah. So in the hiring process, I try to get people 
the product managers in front of their team and ask the team as well how they feel like you know working with that person and um, and make sure there's there's good rapport and, and compatibility um, uh, yeah in 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 addition to the the strengths that I'm looking for. Yeah, rapport and compatibility is definitely important. And you know, again, as a recruitment agency, we we definitely help a lot of founders iron out those processes in the interview. What sort of techniques would you say are the right, uh, yeah, interview techniques to help someone make sure that they are finding that right fit? Is there particular questions, maybe different types of tasks that you could set? Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Um, so. With my approach of, of hiring for strengths as opposed to lack of weaknesses, um, every product role that I design myself, it tends to be a little bit different. So I don't necessarily put everyone through sort of the same template process um, and, and design the interview process a little bit more for yeah, making sure that the strengths are really there um, and um, you know, have to make trade-offs elsewhere. So, um, uh, but, but there are a few questions that um, uh, sort of to assess the key product traits um, that, I, that I use. Uh, and, and one of them is, I think, famous, and I think every great product organization uses it, uh, is what's your favorite product and why? And how would you change it? Right? Because it really tests, well, does someone, you know, has someone thought deeply about products? Do they understand the job to be done? Um, and, um, and do they understand a little bit the commercial thing that's behind something? Or do they just love, I don't know, their keychain, but they wish it was red, right? Which um, uh, you know, if unless there's like a deep reason behind it, doesn't really, uh, doesn't really move the bar. So, um, so yeah, that's a good one. And um, I would say for for founders, it probably helps them uh, to to educate themselves. And there's a great book called Cracking the PM Interview, which, um, funny enough, when you read it, you learn a, a lot about product and sort of the different approaches of products. And as a founder, it probably helps you define what do you, you know, what do you envision as sort of the approach to product that works for your own company best, but also has a bunch of interview techniques in there and a few tips on what probably makes a better answer than another. Um, and um, and last thing, look, if it's just not your expertise, if it's just not, you know, what like the capability you want to build as a founder yourself, then maybe get help from other people in terms of, um, in terms of you know, interviewing candidates, get an experienced product person to interview candidates as well and, and get a take on whether they sit on the spectrum or on, on the, different spectrums of, of different skills um, and, and would they be a good fit for the challenges that we have? Um, and, um, and and also be aware of what, yeah, um, uh, the, the different spectrums that are out there. Um, like, you know, do you want someone who's a little bit more strategic, a little bit more technical, a little bit more of a growth person? So um, it all has to align with actually what the company needs right now. And once that person has hired and chosen the product manager that they want in the business, how can they make sure that they're setting them up for success? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, um, that's a great question. Hopefully, you started to think about what the outcomes are that you want uh, the product manager to achieve, right? So uh, having clarity on that uh, and alignment between the product person and the founders um, is, is, is absolute key to anything that happens after. Because... Um, it's worth remembering that as a founder, you're hiring for this role, um, especially the first time, because you don't want continuity of what's happening right now, right? Um, you want someone else to change up and make it better. And so maybe their ways of working and what they're suggesting is a little bit different from your own. And chances are that's actually a good complement to your own, um, yeah, to your own blind spots as a founder. 
Um, and so, so hence I'd say, don't be attached to the how, be attached to the outcomes that need to be achieved. Um, the, uh, the next thing is um, if, you, if you do a 30, 60, 90 day onboarding plan, uh, that's always a good tool to have and, and it can help with alignment as well. And it's a good, good way of structuring the conversation on priorities and, and expectations. Um, um, but I'd, I'd also say as a founder, especially if you're hiring that, that role for the first time and if, you're, um, uh, if, if it's not your core expertise, um, listen, listen to the person that you've hired, their concerns about process, about founder habits, about where things are at, about you know, maybe the priority. Uh, I've seen founders push really hard that these features need to be shipped as soon as possible. And then the, the product people look at them and it's like, I don't fully understand why we need them. But somehow you just get into a habit of the founder dreaming up more and more stuff and the team trying to execute it. But actually, the questioning isn't happening anymore. And even if the product manager has that as a skill, if they are a little bit too compliant, maybe with the uh, uh, you know, behind what the founders are saying, then the chance that you're not making the most out of the strengths that you that, that you you know have in your team. Um, so yeah, so listening to their concerns, having regular chats about roles and expectations, and negotiating goals um, and and retros is um, uh, is these are good habits to get into. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of sort of a a people led approach. Um, and if you really want to set people up for success, then you know um, yeah listen to their concerns and and what they need right now to actually be successful. Um, but sometimes you get to a point where you say, actually, I can't, I don't have these things to give and, and, and we can't give all the things that this person needs to succeed. That might be a, a point in time where you say, okay, actually, maybe um, we've learned something here from the hiring journey. Um, um, but, um, but yeah, first do the listening and don't at some stage make the call that, well, actually, this isn't working out. We're going to do this again. Because uh, then you haven't learned anything. For those who are thinking about making the move into startup land, what questions would you recommend they ask to make sure that they're choosing the right team for them and their career goals? Yeah. Um, so first, first things first, I'd say understand the, the founder as a person um, as opposed to the, the team as a whole. The team is important, but the founder is probably going to be a constant in the company for a very long time, right? And they are the ones in, in control and in power at the, you know, um, uh, at the top of the hierarchy or, or somewhere near the top. And so the, the first thing to note is the founders tend to be a little bit different um, in the sense that they decided not to work at a company and accept the status quo, but to create their own company. So that takes a, a certain amount of just thinking differently, right? And wanting to change something in the world. Um, and so that comes with often with you know, very visionary and creative thinking, thinking very fast. Um, it comes with a lot of ambition, uh, with a lack of patience. Um, and um, yeah, I can say all these things because I've been a founder myself. Um, and, um, and so, um, yeah, it's, um, there's, there's certain traits that come with it. So chance that a founder is not like the last manager you had at your you know, uh, medium or, or big company and um, who's you know, had many years to grow as a leader, uh, which is the next challenge for founders, right? And, and why I'd say, expect better leadership. And I would recommend anyone to, to go into a startup and a scale up and it's a fantastic journey, but just be aware of the fact that uh, the, the company might have been founded by someone who's not been a leader before. Um, and so suddenly they're leading 10 people, 50 people, 150 people, um, and, and they, they, they get through that in a very short amount of time. And in a, in a time frame as well, where they had to 
upskill on a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Not just as a leader, but also learning about legals and HR and compliance and finance and fundraising and how to manage a board. And so, um, and so that that takes away at the time they're able to invest in themselves as a leader. Um, and, and some people manage that much better than others, but I'd say really understand the, the leader and where they are. And, and also a lot of them tend to be fantastic storytellers and create, you know, the big visionary pitch that, you know, that, that's why people love startups. We get really excited about that and we feel like we're part of changing the world, but really understand what's the substance today as well, right? Because the story the founder is telling, often they're living six to six months to six years into the future it might be a very different story of what is actually there today. And so we need to understand that there is the discrepancy and, and what that discrepancy is and whether we're willing to accept that, right? If a founder says, oh, we're going to do this and you think it's going to happen tomorrow, but actually it's only going to happen in a year or two years from now, um, then they, you know, that can lead to disappointment um, and to, to misaligned expectations. Um, and I I'd also say, Founders tend to be uh, very optimistic sometimes about the timeframes, right? If they're saying, oh, we're going to have that sorted next quarter, chances that it might actually only be next year. Um, and so, so just being aware that that is ultimately part of the dynamic nature of, of the startup. Um, I'd always check on, on you know, what the values are and how they are lived because they are, uh, you know, in many ways um, there to stay as well. Um, and and make sure that there's a, a mutual understanding of what success looks like. That success for this role is actually defined. Um, and and then think about whether the founder actually makes a good manager for you if you're reporting to them directly or whoever you report to. Right? Are they? Um, and I think you know, if we're thinking about autonomy, um, are they humble? Are they humble enough to let go um, and to let someone else have a crack? Um, will they make it safe to fail? And you know, are they are they someone who will create an environment that's psychologically safe? And do they have the growth mindset to to learn from the person they're hiring about new best practices and about better ways of working? Um, or are they, you know, um, sort of very comfortable where and, and maybe um, complacent where they're at um, and don't necessarily give that give that autonomy uh, or, or might not be that supportive of the change that the product people want to create. So yeah, I think I think those are the big ones. Um, understanding the uh, understanding the leaders, um, because ultimately they have so much of an impact of what your day to day looks like and um, how how awesome or how how miserable you feel on a day to day basis. Some really important takeaways there. Thank you so much. It's been awesome talking with you today, Ben. And thank you so much for sharing your insights and experiences with us. How can we stay connected with you? Uh, pretty simple. I'm a pretty open guy. So um, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, send me an email to ben at productrise.com uh, or, or yeah, check out the, the blog. Um, uh, there's a bunch of well, hopefully more useful uh, content out there. Um, and uh, yeah, always, always have to help. Um, I've got a big, big heart for the tech uh, ecosystem in Australia. And look, I want us to create better products so we can create faster growing companies. So there's more opportunities for everyone. I'll make sure to include all of that, the uh, link to your blog in the show notes. And lastly, what would be your one piece of advice for product managers? Um, for product managers, look, it's impossible to do everything well, right? We, the, the, the visualization of the Venn diagram as well, we sit between business and design and um, the customer or, or you know, engineering, depending on how you want to define it. And, um, and we can't be an expert in, in everything, right? It's, it's completely unreasonable. You can barely be an expert in one of those things. 
Um, and so uh, just understand as a product person, what are you passionate about um, and, and where are your strengths um, and, and own that and just find ways of complementing yourself on your weaknesses and find ways of, um, uh, you know, like understanding whether the team that you're getting into, whether they will complement your, your weaknesses as well, right? Um, and the other thing I'd say is um, it's a leadership role. Um, it's a strategy and a leadership role. And often the leadership part is so undervalued. Um, I think as product managers, if we understand ourselves as leaders, the, the job becomes a lot easier because um, we, we only have three roles as leaders, as my view. We need to create clarity on where we're going, why we're going there, what are the, the boundaries of the, 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 the box that we can operate in, what are the rules of engagement. Um, and, um, and, and once you've got clarity on what problem you need to solve and, and what success looks like, actually you can leverage your whole team to solve it, right? You don't need to do everything on your own. Um, and if you create that clarity with your stakeholders as well, then you start to become a lot more aligned on, on decisions and your decision velocity will be higher and do less sort of banging your head against the wall sometimes. Um, second part of leadership is, is creating positive energy and making sure that the team spirits are high. If, if, if they are high, then the team will actually move faster and you move to your goals faster, right? If everyone is miserable, then you have a very miserable time trying to achieve your goals in time. Um, and the last one is just empower the people around you, right? Um, I always think of designers and engineers and, and everyone else involved as problem solvers, right? So if we're, if we're trying to define solutions for them, if we treat engineers as code monkeys, then we're not getting the most out of them. Um, but if we can empower them and, um, and, and let them uh, define success for them um, and, and let them solve the problem that way, our role becomes a lot more bearable, um, if you like. And, and it becomes a lot more bearable for the people around it, even if things are very dynamic and, and moving really fast. And so um, if, you, if you take those things in mind, then you know, sometimes it means actually we need roadmaps and we need to create that clarity. Sometimes it means, well, actually, well, I'm sure in the problem, let's look at the numbers, let's look at metrics, and let's look at the architecture and go really deep into that. So uh, always depending on whether the holes are in the clarity, that's, um, that's probably where, where our focus should be. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, so I think just to sum that up, so definitely do your own skill gap analysis and assessment, uh, promote clarity, promote positivity in the team. Um, and I love what you said there about letting the software engineers create their own outcomes and so you know choose their own outcomes as someone who's recruited a lot of engineers I can say that's definitely going to keep them happy um Ben again it's been amazing having you thank you so much you're most welcome thank you so much for having me Georgia thank you for listening to the product edge brought to you by Middleton Executive you can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.